So on the side note, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today. Hey everybody and welcome to the very first episode of the Sid B Show. I'm your host, Sid B. And in today's episode, we'll talk about the 2020 NFL Draft coming up next week. We'll talk about my one-round mock draft. We'll talk about some NBA, some college basketball, college football, some soccer, and how coronavirus has affected the whole world and how it's affected the sports leagues and associations from pretty much continuing. So let's get it going. With the first pick, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow, the quarterback out of LSU. You can knock Burrow for the small sample size, but he flashed signs of what makes him a special prospect dating back to his 2018 tape, anticipatory throwing, advanced mental tra- training after the snap, and perhaps most importantly, the accuracy and willingness to fit pass attempts into tight windows. So Burrow could easily be the number one pick in the draft. Next, the Washington Redskins take Chase Young. He thinks that he's the best player in this draft, but I don't really think so. Um, he is very good at what he does. He's great at providing pressure and sacking quarterbacks, and I think he'll be a great addition to the Washington Redskins defensive line. So at the third pick, I think the Miami Dolphins are going to trade up. Take to Ataka Bailova. So I know that they're pretty even on Herbert and Tua, but I think Tua has the edge. Though he has a history with injuries, I think his hip is all good now and will be a long-term player for the Dolphins going forward. So at number four, I think the Cleveland Browns are going to trade up to take the Giants spot and they'll take Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker of Clemson. Simmons will play all over the defense and will provide the playmaking ability that could provide as a final piece to an already talented defense to put them over the top. So at number five, the Detroit Lions are going to take Jeff Okuda. So ever since Darius Lee was traded away, the Lions defense has a spot to fill in. Okuda is that guy. Uh, he had a great season at Ohio State. And he'll be a star for years to come. And at number six, the L.A. Chargers take Justin Herbert, the quarterback out of Oregon. So I think the Chargers are going to stay patient and put him on the bench for one year behind Tyrod Taylor. And there's so much potential with Herbert. And in the year that he sits behind Taylor, he's going to learn so much. And come his second season, he's going to immediately be a star. 
So with the seventh pick, I see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trading off to take the Panthers' spot, and they're going to take Jedders Willis Jr. out of Alabama. And the good news is he can slide right in the right tackle to provide the protection for Brady. And no one looks smoother and smarter than Willis with his textbook pass sets and ability to seamlessly react to stunts like a seasoned veteran. None of these OTs prep for their opponent's pass rush moves better than Willis. So at number 8, the Arizona Cardinals take Tristan Wirfs, the offensive lineman out of Iowa. And I think a player like Wirfs can really help this offensive line and this team. Especially after the second half of the 2019 season, with the rookie QB and offensive line that graded out as well below average. Upgrading the line is key to unlock both Kyler Murray's potential and the upside of Cliff Kingsbury's new system. So at number 9, I think the Jets are going to trade up to take the Jaguar spot. And this pick might be quite a surprise. I think they take the offensive lineman from Georgia, Andrew Todd Thomas. And the Jets don't chance a team trading up ahead of the Giants to draft third of the big four OTs. And the Jets lose their best day two pick in the process, but that's fine price to pay to lock in their choice of the final two OTs. Thomas has played against some of the best competition in the SEC, but he's the fourth best offensive tackle in this class. So at number 10, the New York Giants select Mekki Becton, the offensive lineman out of Louisville. So GM Dave Gettleman is not one of the smoke screens, and during a pre-draft presser, he told reporters he will be making calls to teams to try and trade the number four pick. It will be easier said than done to find a trade partner, considering the Giants are unlikely to want to move outside of the top 10. But in this scenario, they find one. And in the process, they lock in one of the big four OTs. And it's unlikely that Becton is the last four on the board. So at pick number 11, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Derek Brown, the defensive lineman out of Auburn. So I think he's going to fill a massive hole left by trading away Calais Campbell. And then he'll also get a player they never have graded among the five best overall in the class. But after trading pick and acquiring other assets in the process, the Jaguars will continue to rebuild their defense with a lot of talent. Similar to the one of the 2017 AFC Championship roster. And at number 12, the Las Vegas Raiders are going to take CeeDee Lamb. There's a lot of confusion on who is the best waters here in this class, whether it's Lamb or Judy. But the Raiders decided that it's Lamb, and they have been transparent about their interest in upgrading at the wide receiver this offseason. They could not draft one, but they also could, and they could also trade for a big name wide receiver like AJ Brown or Cooper Cup. So I'd pick 13, the San Francisco 49ers select CJ Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. He's a very fast guy, so he could definitely keep up with number one wide receivers. And he has the length to match up with any wide receiver in the NFL. He is going to make the 49ers defense much better. 
even though they're already great. So at pick 14, the Carolina Panthers select linebacker Patrick Queen out of LSU. So after acquiring more draft capital via trade block, the Panthers strike early to replace Luke Keekley. Queen can step into his role, combined with Shaq Thompson. The duo would make up arguably the best athletic off-ball linebacker tandem in the league. And there's not much to dislike about Queen's game, though some have pointed across concerns about his size. A case can be made Queen is the best one to replace for Keekley in this class. So with the 15th pick, the Denver Broncos like Jerry Judy, wide receiver out of Alabama. The Broncos can go in a number of directions here, but if they stay at their pick, Judy is the highest rated player at a position of need to some degree, especially after the team spent major cap space upgrading the offensive line in free agency. Judy joins Lamb in a tier of their own at the top of the wide receiver game for me. And at the 16th pick, the Atlanta Falcons select Chavin Kinlaw, defensive lineman out of South Carolina. Most expect the Falcons to draft a cornerback here, but they don't have any of the remaining cornerbacks created at this level. Instead, they upgrade the defense by drafting an interior defensive lineman who should combine with Grady Jarrett to find an interior push and make life easier for the rest of pass rushers. And with the 17th pick, the Dallas Cowboys select Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama. McKinney has been my pick for the Cowboys since my first mock draft because he's typically the best defensive back remaining on the board. His versatility will mind the Cowboys a little of early days of Byron Jones, but more importantly, he is one of the few impact defensive backs in this round. He'll be an immediate contributor, and even if he's not on early base downs, he'll be on the field whenever Dallas is in a sub-package defense, which is 75% or more of the time. So at the 18th pick, the Miami Dolphins are Josh Jones, offensive lineman out of Houston. Jones is a bit of a riskier pick than the top four offensive tackles because he's dominated a lower level of competition but he has a lot of upside for starting come week one. So with the 19th pick, the oh, the Las Vegas Raiders like A.J. Terrell, cornerback out of Clemson. Terrell is going to be the higher drafted prospect than people expect. Here he comes off the board as a cornerback three, but Raiders GM Mike Mayock is going to love and has proven his love for his pedigree. He's an excellent fit on improving the Raider defense that can use a number of excellent cornerbacks. So with the 20th pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars like Kristen Fulton, cornerback out of LSU. The Jaguars have now found a replacement for Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye. Fulton is more Bouye than Ramsey, but he'll add a much-needed improvement on the boundary. So with the 21st pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Henry Ruggs, the water skier out of Alabama. The Eagles have desperately needed a wide receiver after a poor season. And Ruggs is the guy to replace all of the other wide receivers that just couldn't perform. 
And if Carson Wentz gets back to his MVP form, we'll have a great duo of Rugs and Wentz. So with the 22nd pick, I think the Minnesota Vikings are taking Jalen Johnson, the cornerback out of Utah. Johnson's medicals are tending in the right direction, and Mike Summer will love to get him as he might be a best fit in the entire class for Minnesota's defense. In a way, he, re he replaces Xavier Rhodes on the boundary and adds physicality and man coverage skills, something Rhodes lacked in his latter years as the injuries caught up to him. And with the 23rd pick, the New England Patriots, it's a pretty surprising pick, but I think they take a wide receiver, Justin Jefferson out of LSU. The Patriots are not a team that you expect to take a first-round pick with a wide receiver, but they find the value too strong to pass up on Jefferson. But if you're looking for someone to fit what Josh McDaniel's passing game has been all about, then Jefferson is that guy. So I think with the 24th pick, the New Orleans Saints select T. Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson. The Saints can go in a number of directions here, but they decide the best way to capture Drew Brees' window to get him another wide receiver who can offer somewhat of what Michael Thomas does. And the Saints would benefit from adding another offensive weapon outside of Thomas or Kamara. And even after the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, I think the Saints water team core would now become elite. So with the 25th pick, the Minnesota Vikings like Kaleva and Chaisen, the edge out of LSU. The Vikings are going to grab a player who fell will go higher and add another element to the pass rush that can use a boost. Fans might not like, like both first-rounders just on the defensive side of the ball, but it's the fastest way back to a conference championship and potentially a Super Bowl. So with the 26th pick, I think the Miami Dolphins are taking Cesar Ruiz, the offensive lineman from Michigan. And I think that with picking up Ruiz, the Miami Dolphins have really outdone themselves and they can leave the first time with a top quarterback, offensive tackle, and center and would provide them with a great offense for the coming season with a potential playoff appearance which is completely ahead of their schedule. So with the 27th pick, I think the Seattle Seahawks take Ezra Cleveland, the offensive lineman out of Boise State. Cleveland has all the traits the Seahawks like in their prospects from an athletic standpoint. Cleveland was better in 2018 than 2019, but when you factor in that he played a nasty turf toe injury in 2019, it makes sense. If Cleveland can build his muscle and get stronger, and more technically sound, he'll emerge as a defensive starter for Seattle. And it's time to get Russell Wilson another big body up front. So with the 28th pick, I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to select Kenneth Murray, the linebacker out of Oklahoma. Murray has a lot of control and raw athleticism, and especially when he's Ability to impact plays when attacking downhill. You'll see a lot of that right away from the rookie out of Oklahoma. So with the 29th pick, I think the Tennessee Titans are going to select Jeremy Chin, safety out of Southern Illinois. And this might be a surprising selection to grab Chin out of Southern Illinois, but it's also the most exciting pick 
with the chin lined up all over in college, and the Titans have a lot of fun lining chin up with the goal of using him to tap downhill on the line of scrimmage. Chin is what so many teams are looking for, and so few teams have at the linebacker position. And that's where I feel he will ultimately settle in for the future. So with the 30th pick, I think the Green Bay Packers will select Denzel Mims, the wide receiver out of Baylor. The Packers are in a prime spot to draft another outside wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. And why not try to replicate the success he's found with the big-bodied wide receiver by drafting another athletic specimen like Mims. And with the 31st pick, the San Francisco 49ers select Ross Blacklock, the defensive lineman out of TCU. Blacklock will likely be too good of a value to pass up on for the 49ers after trading away DeForest Buckner earlier this offseason. And somewhat subpar combine isn't going to drop Blacklock out of the first round with a team like the Niners, the wise enough to make a play that hopefully leads to a less noticeable drop-off drop on defense with that Buckner. And with the last pick of my mock draft, at 32, the Kansas City Chiefs select Grant Delprit, the safety out of LSU. So based on talent, he's definitely a top 10 pick, but he had some tackling issues this past season that's definitely fixable. And when you pair him, when you pair him up with the safety like Tara and Matthew, this Kansas City Chiefs defense now becomes scary. NBA playoffs were scheduled to start yesterday and continue into today, and we we would have seen some great matchups. The Bucks would have played the Magic, the Raptors versus the Nets, the Celtics Sixers series would have been very good, and the Heat and the Pacers, another very close matchup. And with the Western Conference, the Lakers would have played the Grizzlies. The Clippers versus the Mavericks, which would have been another great matchup. Same with the Nuggets, Rockets, and Jazz and Thunder. But unfortunately, due to the COVID-19, we cannot watch any live sports. And hopefully, the NBA resumes this upcoming summer. And we'll be able to continue with our normal lives. So next, the Los Angeles Lakers were poised to make a title run this season. And they they really hope that the playoffs continue and don't get canceled. But this upcoming summer, Anthony Davis will become an unrestricted free agent and is likely to turn down his player option for the 2021 season. And the Lakers have made... Davis a top priority of the summer given what the Lakers had given up to get him. Most in league circles believe that work is largely done that LA is where Davis wanted to be and LeBron James is a teammate that he wanted to have but the Lakers have done enough to sell him on a future with the franchise uh, after they've shown what they could do with him and now he could achieve his 
ultimate goal of winning a championship. But Lakers DM Rob Palinka mentioned Davis and James in a partnership with the front office. And since last July, Palinka had reportedly sought Davis' opinion on important decisions. So keeping Davis in the loop with what's going on with the team and making him feel like he's important is going to be key to making Davis wanting to stay in L.A. So it makes sense that Davis wants to stay in L.A. after earning minimal playoff experience during the first seven seasons of his career in New Orleans with the Pelicans. Davis had a stellar statistical season for the Lakers and is a legitimate candidate for Defensive Player of the Year as well as MVP. And he will certainly make All-NBA possibly first team or second team, but he also appears to have great chemistry with LeBron James, both on and off the court. The Lakers are the best team that Davis has ever been on, and they will be poised to contend for the next several seasons if Davis is re-signed, and LeBron James still appears to be at or near the peak of his powers. But sure, uh, Ben, or at least a finals appearance, would be great selling point for the Lakers when the time comes to sit at the negotiating table with Davis, but however, even if the season isn't resumed, Davis and James show how dangerous they can be together over the course of the regular season, and hopefully that could translate into Davis staying in L.A. to make sure that they can make it to the finals or win a championship at least once. So later today, The Last Dance, which is a sports documentary, Focusing on the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls, it's going to premiere later tonight, and it's going to feature all access pass to the Bulls during their championship season and what is Phil Jackson's last season as coach. So the series is a 10-part series that features both the interviews and the release footage from the 1997-98 NBA season. There are over 500 hours of all-access footage filmed and used to create the 10-part series. And according to Adam Silver, Jordan allowed the filming with the agreement that the footage would only be used with his direct permission. And after many years and many refusals from Jordan, he agreed in 2016 to do a documentary proposal from Mike Tallinn. This was first announced in May 2018, and the release date was scheduled to premiere June 2020, but due to the coronavirus, it was supposed to be pushed back in further, but due to the many calls of fans to Adam Silver, the series has been able to been brought forward to premiere tonight, April 19th. So that's it for today, folks. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast and hope you're staying safe during this very different time with COVID-19.